Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Media Gel Podcast. I'm your host, Guillermo Bravo. Thank you for joining us today uh, as we discuss how to build a omni-channel marketing experience for cannabis retail and delivery services with Dennis O'Malley. Media Gel connects brands and retailers with cannabis consumers through our ad network of mainstream publishers, uh, mobile apps, games, and TV. We help cannabis companies advertise on Google, support an SEO, and activate data with display advertising to support e-commerce sales. I'd like to introduce Dennis O'Malley. Dennis is a serial entrepreneur and founder of Caliva, one of the largest vertically integrated retailers in California that was acquired by Jay-Z's The Parent Company. Dennis has a breadth of experience in the cannabis industry, and I can't wait to hear his insights today. Thank you for joining us, Dennis. Guillermo, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to this. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Well, let's uh, start from the top. What did your career look like before entering the cannabis space? Uh, I, I I almost can't remember uh, given all all the uh, all the battle scars over the last five and a half six years on it. But the uh, you know before before cannabis, it was is really focused on uh, technology and different parts of technology and uh, really one area that um, really was uh, I think a good transition from. Uh, getting into cannabis was what we had founded in at Ready Pulse. And in 2000, gosh, was it 2010, 2011, uh, we really wanted to, to drive authentic marketing. We, we thought that, you know, putting models front and center of your marketing didn't make sense. And we thought that customers were the best form of marketing. And we sought out technology solutions to do just that, that, uh, you know, people trust people, not ads. And we really tried to be able to say, how do you, how do you put, your, your best form of marketing, your customers front and center of your marketing. We developed technology to be able to track social media at the time, which was still emerging in Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram. And we, and we put those, those photos, uh, you know, front and center in, uh, in over 300 websites of the, 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 uh, you know, the Red Bulls, the GoPros, the Nikes, the Adidas, the North Faces and had really just amazing partnerships and, 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 you know, really for years uh, sat with, uh, you know, brand marketing teams, that develop these uh, really authentic marketing, you know, for uh, for inspirational, you know, brands, and and um, and had a seat at the table around doing that. We sold that company in 2016 to a company called Expert Voice, and Expert Voice mm-hmm. had two million, you know, trusted experts who um, really were think of like the the lifeguards of the world, or the ski patrols of the world, or even the the, uh, the store associates and Dick's Sporting Goods, who you know were most knowledgeable in the shoe, shoe section. And they had to be trusted experts in terms of what type of products that they, you know, wore and use, et cetera. Uh, and being able to uh, take that, I'd say that online and that really social proof that, uh, you know, authentic marketing in, in, uh, in context of commerce provided as well, as well as that in real life, you know, trusted expert that translated um, extremely well in terms of uh, going into cannabis where uh, th- those marketing, uh, you know, activations of, of social proof and then trusted experts translated uh, I- into um, some of the only forms of marketing that cannabis, you know, brands and retailers could could actually execute on. As as we know, uh, the performance marketing playbook in cannabis, there's no there, there, there's no CPC button for uh, you know for uh, there's no uh, really CTA that you'd have on a on an Instagram uh, post. So uh, it's, you, you need to be super creative if you're in cannabis to, to get your uh, message out there for sure. Yeah, and how do you leverage this previous experience when building Kaliva? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think um, 
when you look at building anything, you always got to go back to the core on, on everything. And, and, you know, I came into Cleva 2017 and there was a, you know, core team that had built it from 2015 to 2017 and did it, an amazing job. But, but I, I think what had helped coalesce what story was, it was uh, really just trying to develop a North Star. And it was, uh, you know, a, why do we exist? And, and we talked about, you know, existing for that informed consumer. And we defined an informed consumer about asking one simple question, which is, you know, what am I putting into my body? And we developed the brand values around that, really, which were, you know, consistency, transparency, and accessibility. And we really tried to um, think of the, those uh, those brand values and those pillars as everything that we did in terms of you know product um, uh, whether it was you know product development around consistency whether it's level service of consistency in terms of transparency being very open as to how we made products and what and what we did and what we're all about and then lastly is something that we leaned on heavily which is accessibility we just um, we we definitely had a mission to make our products you know very accessible to those who who, who sought that out. So, so I think in terms of you know leveraging uh, you know experience in Kaliva as we started to build things, um, the depth of the story that you need of about a brand, and the ability to have that type of north star and, and to build campaigns around it, um, re really served as a good guide for us to be able to go through some of those activations that eventually were activations around letting our customers tell great stories, having social proof. And then certainly um, uh, through our wellness consultants, training them as trusted experts um, so that we were a uh, really what we tried to be, which was that most trusted name in cannabis. And that was our moniker you know, for many years is to be able to go build that trust with all of our constituents. And I'm one of your ideal consumers. I, you know, I care about what, I, what I'm putting in my body and I, I love the... Um, I love that as kind of your true north and the transparency and ex yeah. accessibility that you provide. I mean, that's that's really hitting home, and it's you know that's that's the brand equity and trust that you you need to build to really uh, sustain a sustain yourself in a competitive market like California, especially down in San Jose. Right? Sure. Yeah. It, it, it served as, as a good guidepost for us. Yeah, and I remember following Kaliva and and the, the campaigns that you ran as far as like accessibility in. San Francisco Bay Area, like you guys had a wide reach on uh, the customers that you were actually servicing, like from San Francisco to Oakland, all down the peninsula, down to San Jose, like you were really, uh, you know, as far as the delivery um, aspect of the business, you were really, um, you were everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and it takes a it takes a concerted effort to do that. I mean, I give a ton of credit to Rosie Rothrock, who is the you know creative lead today for the parent company, who came up with um, you know probably ninety percent of our campaign ideas and and trying to drive brand awareness uh, and service awareness and product awareness in cannabis is really tough. But I think she did an amazing job of putting some together some evergreen type of campaigns that you can actually build on top of and, and have some direct response activations around that. Um, those campaigns are expensive um, and uh, it, it takes uh, it takes a long time for those to pay off. Um, but again, I give a lot of credit for Rizzi for developing campaigns that had a lot of legs and, and, and could actually last for a long time for us to be able to execute, you know, some direct response capabilities off of. Well, kudos to Rosie for being such a rock star on that front and, and you know, just knocking it out of the park on that uh, on those marketing campaigns. Uh, what, Dennis, like what problems did you identify when you first got in the cannabis space when you launched, or you know, when you joined Kaliba in 2017? 
Yeah, well, I think sometimes just learning from um, a lot of my mistakes uh, and and some of the more stupid ones, I, I think are um, I think are you know you know good good touch points on it. But one that sticks out to me was I was convinced after um, after going into all the dispensaries and trying to figure out samples and how the wholesale sales team was giving things away that. I was going to develop an app for samples and and what we were going to do is we were going to have butt tenders sign up and and uh, we we're going to have you know wholesale reps um you know provide the samples um and be able to track who got the samples and get reviews and the concept was fantastic and we actually went to go develop the mvp and then then i went back out with the sales reps again and i said hey let's let, let's go try this out and, and all the reps said dude do you know that they're they're not going to let you pull out a, uh, a mobile phone in the store right and i said come on that can't be you know just this store and that store and lo and behold you know back in 2017 uh, you know almost no one let any type of mobile phone actually be accessed in their stores so great idea that was uh, a couple of years too early for its uh, for its time. So when you started to think through that, you know, cannabis in many different ways, um, you really got to be, you know, creative and understand, you know, a lot of the regulatory environments in terms of, of, of how to go to market and all of those types of things. And I think over time, you know, leaning on great partners, um, it's the difference between having a partner, a marketing partner who knows cannabis and doesn't know cannabis because um, they, they've gone through uh, and they're battle tested, you know, with all those regulations. And so, you know, I think on a move forward basis, some of the smartest things that we did is is really team up with um, with people, whether it was an influencer marketing or, you know, programmatic, uh, you know, with you guys and others um, to be able to say, uh, hey, let's let's look at you know, the folks who have actually cut their teeth in, uh, in the cannabis industry. Yeah, I remember those days uh, when I couldn't use a phone in, in retail stores and, uh, you know, I, I remember it's kind of speaking to the, to the transparency, like when you want to build trust for a retail store and when it's a new when it's a new market, people still don't trust cannabis stores like they kind of, you know, some of them have, you know, metal frames on the windows and stuff. They don't look like they don't look as welcoming. Right. And one of the ways that I recommended uh, for people to provide transparency into their space was to do one of those Google 360 views of your your store. But even back then, like, you know, people didn't want people, they didn't want consumers to see the inside, inside of their store because they thought they were going to rob them. Right. Yeah. So it's, there's a lot of hesitant, hesitancy there. Uh, but I, you know, I'm happy to see that, uh, you know, we finally reached this point where you can you can use phones. And now uh, cannabis companies are getting the value of uh, user-generated content, right? They want pe- they want people to post pictures on on Instagram, on yeah. Facebook, on anywhere because there's not that many places for you to to market your your cannabis retail store. So anything that you can get from from influencers for any of your consumers is a win. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, look at look at Planet Thirteen in in Santa Ana, right? They have the the made for Instagram kind of moments walking through the lobby. And I'm glad to see that uh, that cannabis has progressed to be able to go do that. I think it's, I think it's good for the industry. hundred percent. And they've done some great uh, drone videos. I know at their Vegas store too. Those are, those are incredible. <laughs> yeah, they are. That's, that's um, as far, scale for sure. Yeah. Yeah. As far as Kaliva, did you, you know, when you joined 2017, uh, was the company already vertically integrated or, you know, is this something that you implemented? Yeah, um, we we implemented vertical integration because it was the regulatory environment we had to be. <laughs> so, you, you know, San Jose actually had a a, a pretty progressive and um, uh, and successful you know program that they had laid out, which is they 
they actually required all 16 of the license holders to be vertically integrated. So we had to be vertically integrated. Now, to the extent that you needed to uh, expand in that vertical vertical integration was, you know, somewhat up to you on that. Uh, and vertical integration really meant that you, um, you know, actually had your own grow and that you had a, you know, retail license. And, and so you, you saw a lot of people in San Jose be successful, and and um, you know, some focused um, uh, on different parts of the business, but. We, we certainly leaned into the, the vertical integration, mainly around products, um, you know, somewhat early on, uh, you know, actually even 2017. I think some of the things that we, you know, we did well at the time is um, we were, you know, some of the leaders in terms of having just a, a very compliant process, you know, having childproof packaging. We were testing before most, you know, others weren't. And so when those, you know, regulations, Really came into enforcement in 2018. We were ready, and so that was a that was a milestone that we were ready for, and that was a step change in the business. And then, again, as a, you know, another step change in the business when you know COVID hit, we we had certainly had uh, you know our delivery had had ramped up, and we had electronic payments. And so some of the things that we did well in terms of vertical integration was just being prepared for uh, real sea changes within the industry and, and regulatory uh, environments. And, and those were those were places that um, we, we were prepared for. But yeah, the, the San Jose had required vertical integration. And it's, hence, uh, that therefore, when Caliba was was founded in 2015, they, they founded it as a as a vertically integrated uh, company. Good to know. Good to know. And then, I mean, how's that market in San Jose looking now? Like is it, yeah, uh, it, it, I think what's most interesting today is that um, the existing license holders are going to receive another license. And so it'll be interesting to see how many other license holders build another um, build another you know retail location in San Jose with with San Jose being people forget it's it's the number, you know, it's the 10th largest city in the country. Uh, and it has a higher population than, um, uh, you know, somebody like San Francisco. So I, I think on, on one hand, um, the uh, San Jose will be well served by an increased number of dispensaries that will lead to competition. But I, I, th I think that will be outweighed by um, the zoning that San Jose will have in terms of the, the new places where those stores can actually um, uh, you know, be located are, are not going to be in the industrial zones that they were zoned for originally. They're going to be in much more attractive, you know, retail areas. So I believe that that will, um, you know, outweigh any additional competition is, is the just amount of convenience that people have to be able to go to a, a more convenient upscale uh, retail experience. Yeah, and do you think San Jose did it right by limiting the number of licenses to actually give a shot to all these retailers instead of yeah, like Santa Rosa, where I am now, you know, they have kind of no cap on retailers. And it's it's very hard for these retailers, actually, you know, they're not vertically integrated in most cases. So it's hard for them to, to even break even. Yeah, I mean, everything's hard in cannabis. And it's and it's a matter of, you know, what, what degrees of difficulty that you're that you're in, uh, for sure. Um, I think, again, looking back on it, what San Jose did is not only did they require you know, vertical integration, they actually funded their their enforcement and their um, and their compliance team, you know, kind of extremely well. So they had a very well run program uh, that collaborated, I think, extremely well with a lot of the providers. We had had a great um, you know relationship with the San Jose PD over the years, and 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 certainly you know still do. And 
and I think they have done a great job in terms of funding that program. Um, you know, in, in cannabis competition is you compete against the the legal players, the the, the non-legal players, those who are you know have retailers, those who have deliveries. Uh, you compete against other types of spend, and and so it's a very competitive environment, and uh, it just it is a you know a challenge all around. But I think there's a whole bunch of reasons why. You know, people like you, me, and others are are in this in the industry to be able to get it to a place where uh, we really can bring that those plant based solutions to people uh, to be able to improve their daily lives. And I know, uh, you know, the teams that I've worked with, uh, you know, always kept that in mind that, you know, we were bringing something that was non synthetic, non addictive, uh, that was, you know, being being really chosen by consumers to say, hey, how do I how do I make my daily a little bit better by uh, by choosing these plant based solutions. Yeah, and I've you know I've not only went uh, cannabis only or, and no alcohol, but I went plant based as well. So <laughs> uh, redu yep. reduce my meat intakes just so I have a cleaner uh, overall body. Uh, well, let's transition a little bit to uh, omnichannel marketing. You know, it's all about creating a seamless experience for your consumers, uh, and you know, customer wants to see unified messaging, right? Because cohesive visuals and consistent collateral on every device and platform. You know, whether they engage with the Kaliva retail store or the brand directly. Uh, so like what kind of marketing goal should a business set for an omnichannel marketing strategy? You know, is it more customer experience focused or sales or revenue? Like what, what's your recommendation here? Yeah, I, I would break it down into two, you know, two different um, uh, viewpoints on this. One is from the retailer standpoint, then one is from the brand standpoint. On, on the retailer standpoint today, um, and whether it's in California or beyond, there's a lot of different you know, rules and regulations specifically around delivery. Um, but what I would, you know, highly recommend any retailer, and they're probably looking at this, but I would, I would examine it closely, is uh, the, the percentage of people on their website that are actually looking at their website on a mobile phone. And at least in my experience of, of working and, and seeing, you know, dispensaries is that at least 75% of yeah. their consumers are finding you know somebody on their mobile phone and it's usually from an ios device yeah. and so when you look at that consumer experience where it's starting from a place where you say okay they're mobile first consumer because they're they're on their phones all the time anyway and that's that's how they generally see and view information really take a mobile first view if you're a retailer and when you then you look at that and say okay that's the awareness and some of the consideration about it. They're probably going to, to Yelp. They're probably going to Google. They're probably looking at some reviews, probably on the Leafly, Weed Maps, getting enough information about where they're going to spend their $100, $200 you know, on the next purchase. Um, they, they, in general, um, also uh, will have a, um, uh, you know, a, a strong uh, preference to be able to order on the phone. Yep. And so how do you have that ordering place and whether they come into the store and do a pickup um, whether they do a curbside pickup or whether they do delivery, I, I really you know encourage all retailers to, to think that you know mobile first is the way to be able to reach their consumers on a uh, awareness and consideration space uh, stage. On on the brand, it, it's a little bit different. I think for brands, um, brands do a great job on their websites, and but they today don't attract enough um, I'd say visitors on their websites or on their mobile sites to be able to redirect that traffic to. A stockist and, uh, and and to their retailers. So on the brand side of things, I think there's two things to be able to focus on. One is 
I, I would still continue to strongly encourage you know brands to to produce great authentic content and actually have that brand page uh, as the first destination of which to progressively profile their consumer so they can understand them, continue to communicate with them, and then redirect them as they, you know, go for their, uh, you know, from their consideration to their, you know, the kind of purchase stage. Um, but also to be able to have a robust set of uh, updated uh, just content. So all of the different marketplaces and stores can actually use great pictures and descriptions and everything else. It's it's amazing to me in, you know, in cannabis that, that still doesn't exist today where you have these, you know, central repositories of product uh, information being managed, you know, by a brand so they can distribute that out to a lot of different points of sales and those types of things. So I think those are two starting blocks for, for retailers and brands to say, hey, how do I, how do I start to enable a new channel marketing? Those are two areas I'd recommend to start. Yeah, and I'm right there with you on the mobile first approach. Like we've always, yeah, I mean, kind of right in line with your numbers, it's upwards of 80% of all the website visitors are mobile. And of that traffic, I think it's upwards of like 70% comes from Google. So, you know, you know where you should put your money. Uh, and as far as websites nowadays, like it should be mobile first, uh, should be responsive for tablets and desktop. But in the most, in most cases, people want that, you know, their the phone is in their pockets. Uh, it's an extension of your extension of you. Uh, and people want uh, accessibility, right? They want to be able to order quick, uh, get in the store for a, for a pickup, and be out of there in five minutes, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think the most interesting dynamic that I'm watching closely is just this this retailer and brand dynamic, you know, over the over these years, and and certainly the retailers still today, at least in California, have the power of marketing and. And uh, you know, I would be, I, I would bet that uh, at least you know, seventy-five percent of the retailers in California, their number one marketing spend are still billboards, yeah. uh, which is crazy. Um, you, you know, in a lot of different areas on them, and and they would generally, you know, most retailers would say, hey, they work. Um, but when you look at brands, uh, you know, it's really, really difficult for a brand to actually do a billboard because you don't know where you're going to actually go buy that brand. So that call to action is is very difficult on that. And, and so when, when brands have fewer options to be able to go market, they rely on their retailers and some of them do co-branded, you know, billboards, or some of them are, are just doing shelf space, et cetera. And so the brands are really pouring a lot of marketing into their retail partners. Uh, I, I see that shifting, um, that the more ubiquitous that brands, uh, you know, come to be and, and uh, the more that, uh, you know, I think the retail and competitive retail landscape changes. So I think it'll be interesting to see if retailers can adapt to, I'd say, more modern marketing and more progressive marketing when you start to look at that consideration and awareness stage of having those ads out there and really standing for something different and being able to look at things like programmatic, you know, look at things like you know, influencer marketing, look at more you know, content-driven marketing and for brands to be able to go and really drive that, that brand awareness and those uh, and start building communities that they can, uh, you know, help redirect and um, and point to their their retailer of choice or their you know delivery uh, you know service of choice so they have better control in terms of that you know final last mile of of who's interacting with their brand. Yeah, I think you know with the with the challenges that are being experienced right now in California and in the economy, right? People have less money to spend. Uh, there's more retailers opening. Uh, more delivery services, like as a as a one on one, like you should know 
uh, the return on investment or return on ad spend for everything that you're spending money on. And if billboards, if you're just kind of throwing money against the wall and you know, maybe asking a few people in the store if you know where they heard about you and if it's a billboard, maybe you credit to that, but it's still it's still a, a, a reach. And you know, other platforms uh, have the same, they have the same kind of challenge. So it's you know, really as a foundational point for your business, like install Google Analytics, install any third-party tracking that you need to really answer these, you know, answer these questions like. I'm spending $5,000 on this, how much am I getting a return? Um, you know, from our, you know, the channels that we know what that work well is, you know, SEO is gonna be number one. And that's a ton of business comes from SEO. I know that Kaliba did a exceptional job, especially with your you know, shopping cart and everything that you put together that, you know, you really did your, your did everything you could to make sure that you were discoverable uh, when people are in that consideration phase, whether they're looking for delivery, whether they're looking for a specific strain, product category, and so on, like you really knocked it out of the park there. Yeah, and and, and again, the, the the team certainly um, took a you know a a first party product into first party channels, you know, mindset and 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 building a brand uh, and building a brand that was. Um, that was both a store as well as a delivery service and product was a was a challenge, but I, I think it was the uh, in those early days. I think that the industry is probably matured and, and different now. Um, but 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 to your point, uh, you know, I, I would again when when any brand is looking to be able to say, hey, where where their first where their consumers first going to look for them. People are going to, you know, certainly research and look for that, you know, volume of uh, of reviews and whether that's the Leafly, Weed Maps, you know, Google or, or Yelp. They're going to look at the brand and they're going to look at the, uh, they're going to look at where to go buy. Um, but today, the, the trusted expert is still the bud tender, and and you know, regardless, um, uh, you know, at least I, I've seen within dispensaries, the majority of you know new customers that they come in, even if they're doing that awareness and consideration on mobile phone, they still for an in real life type of interaction uh, to begin with, and they're interacting with a bud tender. So for the bud tender to be factually accurate and up to date in terms of a you know broad product set is is a challenge, and you got to match that problem you know that that product set to a set of use cases that consumers have, and so that's that that's that's a lot of responsibility on on bud tenders, and I know bud tenders take their jobs very very seriously. Um, but that's a challenge for a brand and a retailer to be able to say, you know, how do you get that trusted expert to be, be able to make great recommendations so that consumer walks away going, wow, I, I was actually um, pointed to the right direction of a product that actually worked for what my, I was, my, my intended outcome was. Yeah. And then how do you connect that digital, you know, online experience to in store with the blood tender, right? It's like, how do you bridge that gap? Yeah, I mean, I think again, a couple of things that you know the the uh, the parent company, you know, marketing team did very successfully recently is is had some of their best wellness consultants review products and and to be okay. able to, to go do that and and again, I think that's using your trusted expert and your best form of marketing, your customers or your you know associate base to be able to um, you know provide an overview of a product set. I think that's that's certainly one. Um, you know, two is uh, you know being able to just have that social 
proof. And in this case, it was, uh, you know, certainly consumer reviews yeah. and having those yeah. consumer reviews and ratings, you know, on products will help people make their own informed decisions. But at the end of the day, that that's, that's what I find that consumers are looking for. They're looking for trust and that trust comes from some, you know, social proof and really confidence. And that comes from a lot of the peer set and some of that peer set. If you don't know who that person is, it's a volume basis. Um, but if it's a one-off basis, they need to be a trusted expert. Not today, again, in our industry is the, the, uh, the bud tender. Yeah. I've always pushed, the uh, you know, user, user generated content reviews. Uh, you know, I always push our, our partners to do Google first, uh, because that's going to help you long-term with the, your, you know, your kind of SEO, uh, on a local yep. level. And then Yelp number two, just because uh, you know, Yelp is associated with a lot of the, uh, it used to be associated with like the Apple and Surrey uh, kind of results. And so it'll help in that front. And then Weedmaps and Leafly are going to be, you know, cannabis specific platforms. Yep. Uh, but you know, some of those, some of those platforms have like, uh, I mean, kind of have a bad history or a bad track, track record when it comes to review. So, you know, people really lean on Google still, you know, Google is king, like it's 93% of all searches online. And there's a lot of things that you can do to, I guess, streamline that uh, engagement and feedback from customers. A couple of ideas I have on my side would be uh, QR code at the checkout. It's a no brainer, you know, having to, you know, give us your feedback and boom, you know, they, they can scan that, goes directly to Google and they can leave a review. Uh, one of the biggest winners, I'd say for, I mean, across the board has been a, an auto connect post visit text message or email. So if someone comes in the store, yeah. if your technology has this automation in place, they can get a text message 10 minutes after they visit the store, you know, how, how was your experience? You know, how was your conversation with the blood tenders? Give us your feedback. In most cases, they'll give you a five star or better. Like if you know, you have an exceptional experience like Kaliva. So there's just some little things that you can do. They're going to go a long way. They don't cost you any money. You know, if you, the bud tenders there, the, they're on the front lines at the face of your company. They, uh, you know, they are, they are doing firsthand sales. Uh, they're doing constant education and it's their job really to ask for that review too. So, you know, the train training is going is huge, especially with bud tenders. And I'm sure that's something that you know, your team has implemented across the board. Yeah, I mean, if you look at most of the reviews today, most reviews have been towards the service, and that service has either been, you know, for that retailer delivery service, it hasn't been towards a brand. And you know, I, I think one of the unlocks, again, for brands commanding more power in the marketplace is going to be simply product reviews and syndicating those product reviews. And so, you know, today there doesn't exist a, a bizarre voice where, you know, you can syndicate product reviews, you know, across different platforms. But I think those types of things will come. I think the other thing to keep in mind in the consumer journey, which is different cannabis, it's, it's mainly location based today. When, when I, I think, you know, in every other, uh, you know, uh, I'd say consumer category, it's more product based. So you, you look for your product first and then where to buy it uh, in cannabis today. It's, it's where is, where is, where do I go buy cannabis? Yeah. And then it's, like, what do, what do I buy once I find out where to go? Um, but I think that will shift. I think that will shift where people will say, Hey, I actually want this, you, you know, uh, you know, can drink, or I want this, you know, Kiva gummy, or I want this, you know, Kiva flower, where can I go buy it? 
And I think that's going to be a major unlock for uh, for brands. And, and I think that will uh, help a consumer, you know, get to what they want. And I think that the maturity of consumers to today, it's we're, we're seeing that more and more, you know, kind of in, in, in every state. Yeah, and you spoke to retailers, you spoke to brands, but what about delivery services? Like, how do you make sure that that customer experience is seamless across that channel as well? Well, you know, certainly the the consumer expectations, you know, yeah. kind of post COVID um, just accelerated uh, all, you know, consumer expectation of what delivery is. Mm -hmm. And certainly if you're a retailer and you have the ability to go drive, you know, pickup and, and delivery, getting delivery right is, is super hard to do. And you, you have to look at that as a, you know, almost a separate service and you have to have some, you know, unique uh, proposition to be able to go do that. And, and so I've, I've seen a lot of different, you know, retailers want to dip their toes in the water of, of delivery and it, it's, it's very challenging to do. Um, but I would recommend to those retailers of, of the, the customers that you have that are, you know, both looking at, um, you know, delivery and pickup and, and, you know, in-store options to be able to have that convenience of being able to, uh, you know, re receive consumer, receive cannabis on your terms. I mean, that, that's really, really powerful, um, but you have to be able to execute well. And, and so you don't have to compete against ease in terms of you don't have to get there in 45 minutes and be the, you know, the lowest cost provider. Um, but you got to have a great level of service. You got to have customer support. You got to have electronic payments. You, you have to have, uh, you know, the ability to ch change orders and it's not a it's not easy and it's not easy to be uh to, to integrate so delivery is really real a real challenge but those who get it right i think really provide a differentiated uh, you know value proposition for their consumers and hopefully that translates into you know kind of long-term you know customer loyalty on that did you take the approach of uh you know the was it the ice cream truck or did you do more like scheduled deliveries for uh, you know for your business it, you know, well, we started out with delivery in 2017. Okay. So, so we, you know, so so we very very early on, uh, you know, kind of made every mistake in the book in terms of what to do. But um, we, we at least when we started off, had a very narrow window of you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, three to ten, in a very small uh, kind of San Jose esque marketplace. Uh, and then we slowly expanded from there and we had minimum order amounts and, and then you did, you know, three to 10 through, um, you know, through the whole week. And then you expanded your you know, ge geographic areas and then you went to, you know, to kind of, you know, that nine to 10 type of thing. So I think it, you know, I would recommend all, you know, any company to be able to slowly expand on that. Um, but certainly scheduled deliveries are more profitable delivery for us. And at least at Caliba, we weren't ever marketing that we're going to get your weed there the fastest and cheapest. It was that we're going to have great service. We're going to get your order right. Um, you're going to be able to talk to somebody, pick up the phone. You're going to have an online chat. We're going to have great selection of products. You're going to get a very fair price. And you're going to love your delivery driver because they're super stoked to be able to work with us. And, and you're going to be able to tip them and everything else. So awesome. it was just a, a different value proposition than, um, than other companies in the space. And I mean, how long did it really... I mean, how long did it take you to achieve a true omni-channel, you know, a strategy with Kaliva? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if any, yeah. if, if marketer or if any, you know, retailer is ever, you know, truly happy with, with, um, uh, you know, where where they're at. I, I think some of the challenges that you do that you have when you're an omni-channel retailer, especially when you have, you know, multiple locations, is is inventory. 
Yeah. Right. So, so how are, how are you managing, how are you managing your, uh, you know, think of your evergreen inventory, which is your base product base in, uh, you know, throughout the state of uh, those are the products and the brands you want to drive a lot of brand awareness for, you know, at Cleva, it was the, you know, the Cleva and the fun uncle type of brands. Um, but uh, everyone knows NorCal is a very different market than SoCal. And yeah. Diego's a different market than LA and in LA, you know, Woodland Hills is different than downtown LA. So you have these micro, you have these micro markets and, you know, there's, uh, there's great merchandisers out there who are able to actually buy for some of those micro markets and, and really understand, uh, you know, what some of those, uh, you know, local consumers, you know, have a need and want. And, and we certainly experienced that at the parent company when we were able to, you know, acquire some of these uh, dispensaries, learned a lot from, uh, you know, that those micro markets. So I, I think, you know, really it, it's, it's not just how do you actually get to omni-channel, um, but it's how do you get to the right type of product in the market? Uh, and then how do you have that, um, how do you have that, you know, service to be able to, to back up what that uh, inventory is? Yeah. And just, you know, make sure that your messaging and everything is speaking to that audience, you know, whatever, wherever you are in the industry, whether you're like, well, you know, value product, uh, fast delivery, or it's more trust. Uh, and quality of product, like just really know where you stand within the industry or else you're just going to, you're going to spend money and on advertising campaigns and you're not going to get success. Right. So. And, and, yeah, and, and I think, but to your point that that's, um, uh, I would say most, at least retailers today are solely focused on their direct response and mm -hmm. their offers, right. Which is, I'm going to provide a BOGO 40% off, 50% off, and I'm going to go spend money to go talk about that promo. So you're, you're double spending in terms of what your, you know, customer acquisition cost is, and you might be rebuying the actual customer that you already bought that somebody else went to real rebuy. So, so, so the notion about doing that, if you thought about the discounts that you put into that, and if you just put it into a brand ongoing brand awareness campaign through channels like programmatic or others that are going to reach mobile consumers. Um, I, I would bet over the long term, you know, that that brand awareness advertising is actually going to pay off. Uh, but the challenge is, is that just a lot of retailers just aren't in a position to be able to look at that in a longer term, longer term basis. And, and brands haven't had the ability to be able to say, to tell a consumer where to go buy the product. And I think if some of those things change, You'll, you'll see a dramatic change of going from retailer to brand in terms of the, you know, somewhat of the, the, the marketing uh, power of, of brands in the marketplace. Agreed. Agreed. And as a final question, uh, before we log off here, like where should businesses start, you know, building their omni-channel strategy? Like what platform should be prioritized and perfected first before moving on to, you know, building out the full experience? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would start off with the brands, and, and I, I think you know, yeah. can can does a great job in terms of having depth in terms of a uh, of a story behind what they do, and they do a great job on building content. And when you look at outside of actually just purchasing the product, the ability to go uh, receive their emails, get, you know, get updates on videos on YouTube, and uh, understand their website, they they are engaging their consumer base. And then they're able to activate their consumer base through text messages, et cetera, in terms of where and how to go buy their products. So on the omni-channel basis, um, something like like a can, I think is is a great way to be able to say, I know I I know where stores, what stores carry it. I know if I would need to pick up, and I certainly know if I need to go get it delivered, and I can go to get it on demand, or I can go get it the next day. So I think as a brand, 
they've really done a great job of, uh, of pro providing consistent uh, access and, and ongoing content where you're always engaged. And in terms of, uh, and in terms of you know, retailers um, building an omnichannel presence, uh, it really does obviously start with that in real life experience, which is just so critical to be able to have that you know newer customer spend 12 to 15 minutes with your bud tender to be able to go do that. Um, but I, I think pickup is the is the easiest and one of the most important parts to be able to say, hey, come back and here's how easy pickup is to do that. You need a good website. And then if it fits within your regulatory framework, um, I would you know strongly encourage that that, that uh, you know uh, any type of retailer you know look at a, uh, a a smaller radius with you know minimum uh, order amounts to be able to go you know deliver their products to their to their customers and and certainly you know somebody like uh, you know the parent company Cleveland.com has done a, a, a massively uh, you know successful job around that in terms of California, um, but. Uh, but delivery is hard to do, and and uh, but it's important, I think, over the over the long term. Agreed, agreed. Well, Dennis, I appreciate the time today and sharing all your insights with our viewers, and uh, you know, kudos to you on the uh, the acquisition, and um, all the best in your future in cannabis and beyond. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much for having me, Guillermo. I'm really looking forward to you know the future marketing in cannabis. It's uh, it keeps us on our toes for sure. Oh yeah, but keep oh, yeah. it work. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, Dennis. Cheers. Right. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Media Gel podcast.